right? So that was a good deal. And I'm like, you know, I'm proud of him, happy for him. Like, man, that's, that's nice. And at that point, he quit it. Like, he quit. Like, I'm done with my job. I'm done with everything else. I'm 100% real estate. You know, you, know, you can't tell me anything. Yep. And uh, I'm happy for him. And that, that, you know, reflected back on myself. I was like, hmm, if I close a $100,000 deal, would I, like, quit my career and et cetera? And for me, the answer was no. I was like, I'm probably not going to quit because you got to remember at this time, I'm doing everything myself. That's the first part about it. Yep. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm still like learning a lot of inconsistencies. I already make a hundred grand. Yes, you made a lot of money, but all right, what about your insurance? What about, you know, all these different things? And then, oh, I got to go home and take a vacation. All the money stopped coming in. Yep. Like it was just, you know, for me, it was like, man. So I started asking myself what that number I was like, is it half a million? It's like, is it a million? Like, I didn't know what that number looked like. And that's because I had this large gap. So this is kind of where I transitioned uh, from my first mentor like everything he taught me, I took that with me. And like, he taught me how to be a good investor. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, We Love Equity Real Estate family. Welcome to another show I'm excited about. Our guest on today, our guest hails from the D, Detroit, Michigan. He's neighbors of mine. You know, I'm from Chicago. He's from Detroit. There's normally some sort of battle between Chicago and Detroit. You know, normally it's who can step the best, who has the best music, things like that. So I wanted to have uh, Philip Blake on today to rep the east side of, of Detroit. So uh, just so you guys know, Philip Blake, he's doing amazing things in the Midwest. He's closing over 100 transactions a year. Yes, I said that 100 transactions a year and Detroit Metro. So for all of you people that are out there saying my, my market is saturated, I can't do this, I can't do that. Well, Philip is here to prove all of those myths and ideologies wrong. So Philip is an engineer, a, gra a graduate engineer turned real estate investor that's doing some major things. So we're going to touch on well, we're going to talk about real estate wholesaling on today. We're going to talk about rentals. And now he's making a pivot into the commercial space. So Philip, Philip, man, welcome to the show. How are you? Glad to be on. Glad to be on. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. All right. Great, 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 Philip. So tell me, man, you, you, Hail from Detroit. I know Detroit, the Motor City, the Music City capital of the world, and everything like that. But it's really not known for its real estate. So why did you pivot from being an engineer over to real estate? Oh man, that's an uh, that's an excellent question. I think uh, if I go back to when I was maybe 11, 12, year, 12 years old, I always knew I didn't want to be like I never I didn't know it would be real estate, but. I didn't envision myself sitting behind the desk for like my entire life for 30 years. So I knew it. I just didn't, uh, you know, grew up in Detroit. I didn't have a lot of uh, great examples in the entrepreneur space. So I just didn't know what existed in that realm. Uh, but I knew subconsciously, I believe, to, that that's not something that I want to do is like spend my life behind a 
desk and, and doing something mediocre. Uh, what got me into real estate, actually a buddy of my engineering buddy, he's actually an engineering attorney and also in real estate, uh, but we worked together and he was like, hey man, I'm reading this book. And at this point, I'd already read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a pretty popular okay. one. But, yep. this, but this, it, this wasn't a very popular book. I think it was about taxes or 1031 exchanges. And, uh, you know, he was like, man, I'm reading this book. And it really started to, to light that fire, right? Where you could see, like, man, people making a lot of money, like, very quick. Not even just very quickly, but they have not only making money, but they have wealth. Um, and it's, it's coming from real estate. So, you, you know, do some Googling, look around and you see oh, wow, the most millionaires come from real estate or it's yep. you know, produced in real estate. And you start to see those things. So me naturally having that mindset, I'm, I'm like, okay, man, if someone kind of teases me or give, gives me a possible solution to a problem that I, at that point, don't think I knew I had, that, that makes me wonder, right? That makes me say, okay, well, let me dig deeper into that. Yep, yep. And as I started to dig deeper, I started to learn a lot more. I'm like, man, this is, this is where it's at. So to answer your question, you know, man, that's how I got into real estate. Uh, a buddy of mine kind of turned me on to it, read some books. And then the more I read, the more I wanted to read. And uh, it didn't take me long. I mean, maybe it was six months of just me kind of learning about it. And then uh, finally I uh, took the plunge and uh, started getting into it heavy. Okay. So, so being a kid from the East side of Detroit, not the best neighborhood, you know, it's, it's not the greatest place. So what gave you that mindset to say, you know what, I'm not going to do what everybody else I see in the hood doing. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to transition at an early age because you could have fell into that trap, you know, of, you know, let me get out here. Let me hustle. Let me try and make some money and take care of the family, so on and so forth. Man, that's, man, that's an excellent question. I would say uh, one, I, th I think it also comes naturally. Maybe it's in my DNA, um, blessing from God, or however you want to put it. Um, but I think naturally I gravitate toward, gravitated towards the more positive end of the spectrum. Cause I, I mean, I still got, uh, people now that's uh, still in that life, yep. but, uh, try not to say, say too much. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but, gotcha. Uh, I know, man. Confidentiality when you, right. when you're dealing with those in the hood, man. No, I get it. I get it, man. Because right. we all hail from those parts, man. And it's, it's good to not only look at where you are, but also look back and say, hey man, look, you could do something different. This is what I'm doing. And you become an inspiration, you know, to those mm -hmm. who are, you know, back in those neighborhoods and everything like that. So tell me, you read this book, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, then you read this other book, you know, about 1031 tax exchanges and things like that. So what made you take that plunge? So how did you how did you get that first deal? Because a lot of people, that's one of the problems that they have. They say, you know what, I'm reading all of these books. I'm doing all of this studying, but what do I actually need to do to try and get this first deal under contract? Oh, that's an excellent question. So what do I need to do to, to get a deal under contract? Well, first you got to take action. I, I do want to go back. You, you, had, you asked sure. a minute ago, uh, growing up, like, again, I think it came naturally because I, I mean, I saw a lot of guys that was like, I don't know. It was just like, I didn't see any purpose in it. I remember specifically one time we were all just walking down the street and these guys, they, you know, they, we young too, man. These guys smoking weed or whatever. And we just walking and I'm not kind of look up to them. We're just walking. And I'm like, I'm walking like uh, more quickly than them. Like uh -huh. when I walk or when I do something, I'll do it with a purpose. Like, all right, we're going from A to B and they just lollygagging and they not really doing anything. And I remember that was the first time I consciously looked, I was like, Oh, y'all not walking because, uh, 
Like y'all don't have any place to go. Yeah, like, y'all, y'all ain't know nothing. Like, <laughs> right, right. It's like so. I, it, it was interesting uh, to me at that, but I, I, I saw a lot of that and just uh, I definitely naturally gra- gra- gravitated a- away from that because it, it didn't make sense. Like I saw a lot of people that were selling weed, and majority of them didn't make a ton of money. And then you look at the headaches and things. Yep. Uh, that, that come with it. Like man, you you damn near do better just uh just doing it the right way. Man. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so so I had some examples where I looked at people and I'm. You know, uh, I think Henry Ford said this. I could be quote misquoting, but uh, he said, "You try to learn something from everybody you meet, uh, even if you learn what not to do." Um, and I didn't realize I was doing it at the time. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it was like, man, I, I had no interest in it really. Uh, you know, obviously you have little mishaps or what have you, but it was not, never anything major that that attracted me because I'm like, man, you guys not gonna, it's not gonna get to the lifestyle that I want. Yep. Um, yep. Next. Um, real quick one of the key things that you said man and this is this and I really didn't notice that I was doing this when I was younger also I mean I tried it I tried the streets you know I I even told on bigger pockets you know I was one of the worst drug dealers there were you know I, I tried it and it just wasn't for me because I didn't I saw what the fruit of it was gonna be. Yeah, you can make some right, short-term right. money, but at the end of the road, you know, it's either prison or uh or or dead. So um, going yeah, back to what backwards. I yeah, yeah, yep, hustling backwards. <laughs> so going back to that, one of the key things, guys, that you have to have, what what Philip said was you have to understand your purpose and you have to do things with a purpose and a passion behind it. You can't get out here lollygag and say, I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna try that. Either you're gonna do it or you're not. And this is one of the things that I see with a lot of successful uh, real estate investors is you have to have that purpose and that mindset to do it and get out there and do it. So Phil, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Tell us, um, tell us about this deal, man. How, how, how should people go about finding that first deal? Well, I I would say first thing you got to set the proper expectations. So if you, obviously if somebody's watching this podcast, they're on the right frequency, but you know, depending on your personality, some people more action oriented, some people more practical, uh, like myself, and you can suffer from analysis paralysis, where all right, I'm trying to learn everything in a book before I do anything, because I want to do it exactly right, which is, you know, you're chasing a fairy tale, because even if you did learn everything, you're still going to get into it and make a, a ton of mistakes. So definitely just keep that top of mind, like, all right, like, I got to jump into it. If you haven't gotten into it already, if you're taking action, you're probably ahead of probably 90, at least 85% of people already. As far as how to get that deal, the, the very first thing that I did and again, I didn't know this principle until later, but after I read so many books, I'm like, okay, I know I want to do real estate. I know, so I knew that decision was made, yep. but I know enough from these books to where I'm like, ah, and me being more practical, I, like, actually it's funny that the, the guy I told you I started with, he was the, he did the exact opposite of me. So he actually read different books and he went directly into burden with it. I'm going to buy something at an auction. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, fix it up, rent it out. And that's what I'm going to do. And he did that just off the books. And that's what he was doing, right? So, okay. that, so that's what he did. Me, more practical, I was like, okay, I know enough about real estate to know that I want to do it, but I don't know enough to, like, if I got in the middle of something, like, I'm going to probably screw something up and I'm going to, you know, cost myself, right? I'd rather put money uh, into learning, right? And that's where this mentorship piece comes in. So I got my first mentor. And uh, funny, actually, at the time, and I followed him for a while. It was a few different ones I was following, and I gravitated towards one more so than others. And the very first purchase I made, I think I paid them, it was $1,000 for like a course. It came with zero coaching. And okay. after about a week of just learning more and more, I was like, okay, the more you know, 
the more you realize you don't know, right? So yep. I was like, oh, I was like, oh man, I don't know, I don't know shit. So uh, I actually paid him three thousand dollars to to mentor me, and just to put that in perspective, like three thousand, you know, it's peanuts now. But uh, at that time, I, like number one, I was doing it. Only person, only way I knew this person was via online. So I was skeptical about buying something that large online. Mm -hmm. um, this is about six or seven years ago now. So what I did was, uh, so the first thing I did was I, I put it on my credit card and my credit card was only $1,500 at that time. Right? Okay. And which, which was, you know, I, you know, I didn't really, you know, it was, it was enough for me. I didn't see any reason to get any more. Right. But his sister's course was 3000. I literally had to call them like, Hey, I'm going to make two payments. I maxed my credit card out, paid it down and I maxed it out again, just so I could have like the safety from, you know, credit card, get my money back or whatever. So mentally, I still wasn't all the way there. I was still, you know, super skeptical about uh, about a lot of different things, but that definitely was one of the biggest things that that helped me uh, okay. because they they guide you, right? You have a mentor. Like it's no long it's no longer all right. I got all this random knowledge in my mind, and oh, I need to do this, and oh, I forgot about that. Like I had no, you know, you wouldn't have no framework. He gave yep. me a framework. This is what you do. I learned a lot about investing, how to do a lot of different types of deals, creative subject to and all that good stuff wholesale of course and i uh, learned a lot about all that from him and uh yeah that's that that's that's what really was the difference maker and it still actually took me a long time to start making some money really so so let's let's talk about that briefly and guys this is not scripted this is just a conversation between me and me and philip and right. you guys are happen to be listening in on this let's talk about that whole mentorship piece because i know in the beginning I was one of the skeptics, you know, I was like, I can just go on YouTube. I can figure it all out. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you get a piece here, a piece there, piece here, piece there, and you're trying to pull it all together and your mind just start, you know, circulating all of this information. So what is that mindset that you have to have in order to take action to get that mentor? Because you hear a lot of people out there say, you know what, the information is free. You can just go out there and get it and put it together. So what's the benefit of, you know, spending that $3,000 to get that, to get that uh, mentors? Let's just make it perfectly clear for everyone. Oh, awesome. Well, one, you got to value, you got to like, I mean, I'm just going to keep it, keep it straight where I come from, man. We value the wrong things, man. We, we consumers, we buy clothes, and, you know, just yep. to, to, to appreciate things like that. And it's, uh, I try to keep it PG, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my bad. but uh, you know, we buying garbage, man. We, we buying, you know, things that's not, uh, you know, that's not valuable. And I had to learn that at that, at that time, I should learn like, oh, you, you know, you value the knowledge. So the question is, why would somebody spend that? If all the money is, I mean, if all the knowledge is free, you go to YouTube University, number one, you're going to save yourself a lot of time, man. That ran, the randomness, you probably going to, it's going to cost you more, number one. But the key, the, the thing that you're paying for is the trust in the, the framework, right? Yep. Having somebody that come in and say, look, man, I've done this 15, 20 years. This is what to do. Don't think, just do what I tell you. Don't worry about it. Just do what I tell you. If you got a question, ask me. But other than that, just do what I tell you. You know what I mean? And when you have that, all of a sudden, and then people kind of have a tendency to want to follow. Uh, some of us, you know, not, you know, maybe more alpha than others. But generally speaking, even alphas, I mean, you got you to gotta follow before you can lead anyway, right? That's so, true. Uh, but but you have somebody that is guiding you like, hey, man, I've, I'm proven. Whether you believe it or not, obviously that's what the, the biggest decision is, is finding somebody that you can trust. But then they come to you and say, look, I've done it. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm giving you the blueprint. It's up to you to go do it. And at that point, now, and that still doesn't guarantee success. You just you just gave yourself a, a, a what do you call a, a shortcut or 
I, in, in my my opinion, that's just a smart thing to do. If you want to learn how to do something, uh, it's a it's a, uh, I don't know if it's a saying or analogy. Said if you want to know the path ahead, you ask someone coming back. Right. That's so that's, that's true. 100%, man. So people that that uh, so that's in anything. You want to be a basketball player, NFL player. You want to be a singer. You want to be an actor. You want to be an engineer. You want to be a scientist. Whatever. That's the best way to, to do that. And uh, it, it'll definitely expedite your success for sure. You still gonna, it's not going to it's going to be sim simpler, but it's not necessarily going to be easy. That's what I think a lot of people. And I, I talked about having the right expectations. People think, oh, yeah, I paid 25 grand for this teaching. It's all on you now. Just come in and yep, it's your responsibility. Yep. I got a I got a buddy of mine I grew up with. He definitely gravitated towards the hood. But and I've been telling him for years, man, trying to like literally trying to put him on. And uh, uh, he's starting to come around now. So I was like, OK, you want me to mentor you? All right, sweet. Now give me 15 grand and then, you know. I'll miss you for a year. And to be honest, I really don't want to do it because that's like, you, know, you start valuing your time and things. Yep. But but the, the point is, um, it's, it's the guidance, right? You're not going to waste as much time. You're going to be able to just uh, go straight to what you know works and uh, deal with it from there. Because otherwise, you like I said, you're going to be having random actions. And uh, I, yeah. one, I, one thing I actually alluded to earlier, it still took me a long time to actually make money. And just to kind of give you guys, you talked about the mindset. So here's here's my life at the time when I started real estate, right? I'm I'm finishing school. I'm already getting paid as an engineer because I quote unquote did so well. So I'm making like 80, 90 grand a year, uh, probably like 20, I forget how old I am, maybe 20 something, young 20s. And you know, most people, especially my family, oh, you making that, you basically made it, right? Yeah, yeah, you done, dude. You on your way type of thing. Yeah. So, so I'm you know, finishing school, I'm making a bunch of money, I'm still living at home, I'm living in my mom's basement. Um, so at this point, mentally, I'm thinking I'm doing everything right. I'm like, hey, I got my costs cut down. All right, I'm about to make these sacrifices. That's a big thing uh, as far as the mindset. So I'm like, I make sacrifice because the, the reason, the biggest driver that got me into real estate, just going back to what you talked about earlier, I knew me making 90K a year and even what I, even I, I thought about it, right? Okay, maybe in 20 years, I'll become VP or something. They give me a million dollars in the stocks. So it was like, at the end of the day, that's really not going to change the the the, uh, the direction of my family. Like, I'm not just in this for myself. This right. is for, I tell people all the time, man, we we down 400 years, man. Uh, I'm just going to put it like it is. Like, we, mm -hmm. it's a 400 year cap. And I know that I can't make that up for myself. This is why I try to you know, give back and help people, et cetera. But uh but yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge gap to overcome. And I know that me working in a job, having somebody tell me what to do or et cetera, that, that, that wasn't going to do it. And, you know, real estate was my avenue to that, 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 that I want to get into. I made those sacrifices. Like, okay, I'm making the money. I can go buy a car. And, and at the time, my car was like 12, 13 years old. It's maybe 10 years old, 11 years old. Uh -huh. so, I'm, so I'm making a, more money than most people that's like, that's grown, grown. Living in my mom's basement, I'm riding an old car that's, you know, it was straight. It wasn't beat up. Some Monte Carlo. Um, okay. So I'm making and all my extra money. I'm putting into like either learning and investing in real estate, right? And I was making a bunch of dumb mistakes. I thought I was doing the best I could. And even with the, even with the mentorship, I still, man, I, I was still making mistakes. To put, to put it, to put it uh, simply, and he, and it's not only against my mentor. He was actually, he, like I said, he, he basically told me everything I know about real estate um, as far as like the how to invest. And um, uh, yeah, even at that point, I want to say it was, it was like 18 months, 
20, 22 months before I like before I made money, like before, like, like I'm wow. investing, I'm doing the marketing, uh, I'm calling people. This is what my day looked like because I'm still finishing school, right? So I get up probably 5 30 in the morning, uh, go to work, get off work, I would go to class, and then after class, I'm hitting the phones, I'm calling people, I'm doing marketing, I'm trying to plan on stuff. So I'm grandma all the way. It's to the point where I'm, when it's time to go to sleep, like I, I still love sleep to this day, probably because of that. But when I hit the pillow, like I used to be out, out. Home, <laughs> I was done. And I didn't even think nothing of it. I thought it was like, you know, I'm just doing what I got to do type of thing. Yep. And uh, yeah, and I, so I, it was it was definitely grind mode for me at that time. And um, uh, like the mentorship was a big, uh, big piece of it. And like I said, it, it, so I talk about mentorship, talk about sacrifice. You definitely got to have perseverance, man. Cause you got to think that 18 months, most people, oh, I did it for two weeks. I did it for 30 days. I'm, I ain't make no money, blah, blah. And I was, I was grinding too, man. Yep. Was, and, it, and to be, to be totally honest towards the end, like I'm not a quitter. Like I'm like, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to make it work. I'm make it, I'm going to make it happen. This is part of my personality, but towards the end, uh, like I'm, I'm a really big in health, right? Health advocate. So actually had stopped doing some coaching at that point. And I started to feel myself just me looking back on it, kind of, you know, shift more energy into the health because I wasn't making any money in real estate. Right. 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 I'm putting all of, and it got to a point after that time, I'm looking like I'm making all this money. I really got no expenses. I ain't expenses and I ain't got nothing to show for it. I was like, man, I'm like, it, it got to a point. I was like, man, I'm probably you know, screwing up. And uh, the way that end up, ended it, to answer your question, get to my first deal, I remember one of the, the lead service providers that we used, uh, I had like four or $500 in it. And I just knew at that time, I was like, man, I'm probably not going to put any more money back into that just because I wasn't, you know, getting any returns. Right. And it wasn't the service because we still use them to this day. We, I was just marketing incorrectly, right? I was very inconsistent and things like that. And then we got to talk to people close to us. So I was the one screwing it up. I take okay. 100% ownership for that. Man, and I would, I think it's like maybe our last dollars. A lead came in, and at this point, I was almost so defeated. It was a good deal, but I was waiting for something bad to happen. Like when I tell you, I was like, so somebody called, he said, oh yeah, I'm gonna sell my house, blah blah. Take him through the usual script because I know it like the back of my hand. I'm like, all right, how much you want for the house? Oh man, fifty thousand. And I'm looking it up. I was like, hmm, I know this area. That's 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 uh, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good amount. Good number. He's, that's right. what he's asking. So I'm like, okay, let's meet. All right, maybe you don't believe us, me not me. All right, I met the guy. Okay, I met the guy. And, um, uh, you know, I even got the property in the contract. Because during the 18 months, I was getting properties on the contract. I just wasn't closing. I was like, dude, what the hell? And uh, I met him, got the property in the contract. Like, okay, well, now we're going to go through our process. And at the time, we're wholesaling the properties on the MLS. And uh, I, like, I'm waiting for the next thing to happen. I'm going to put it on the market. The seller's going to get pissed or something or whatever. It ain't going to be worth as much as I thought. I got it locked up for 50 and I put it out at 59 just to kind of, that was what I was taught, right? You put it in law. So that way you can, yep. uh, you know, you get a bunch quit. of offers or whatever. So I did that. Then I, man, I remember the, like the, the, the flat fee listing agent, he uh, like, they called me like 30 minutes after I listed it. He said, man, what's going on? Our phones are blowing up. Like everybody's <laughs> calling. Like I'm talking. <laughs> and I remember being, I was, I mean, I was so happy for that. I was like, really? He's like, man, he said, this one guy won't stop ringing the phone. He said, so he's threatening the, the realtor that listed it. Man, give me this guy's number right now. I want this deal now. Uh -huh. Whatever, what's his number? And I'm, you know, I know how to play it cool at this point, even though I'm shaking in my boots because I'm broke, man. Like, I'm not broke, but that's so that money coming in, but I'm down. I invest a lot of money. 
So I'm still playing it cool because my mentor taught me, he's like, man, don't be a dog in heat, you know? And yep, yep. Uh, so I'm like, all right, you know, I'm like, oh, well, you know, if he's interested, let him know, submit his highest and best offer. And we'll, you know, I'm playing it cool, but I'm deep down, I'm super happy. Phone's blowing up, blowing up. And then uh, we sold that property for like 30000 over asking, man. Wow. Um, so I made uh, maybe like, it was like 45000 50000 on that first deal. And then at that point, like now and all of a sudden it's possible, right? My paradigm has been lifted or my yep. ceiling has been lifted. Now it's possible. Uh, and I remember I was telling somebody about it afterwards. You know, you would have thought I was the best investor ever, man. I'm, I'm like, I really, I literally, I legit just closed my first deal. I made a bunch of money. But I was just like, man, that's, uh, I was like, man, yeah, I did this. And I'm doing like that, man. This is easy, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I was, I mean, I, I'm, I was, I'm so grateful for that, man. Because I was, when I say I was like done, Mentally, uh, I was not telling myself I was done because I would never tell myself like oh, I'm about to quit. But yeah, your actions were saying it. Yeah, I'm looking back at what I was saying. I was probably about to be done. I closed so, that deal. So let me yeah. ask you this, uh, Philip, because this is not something that everybody go through, you know. Because, like you said, you was investing for 18 months and trying to get this, trying to make this happen. And you didn't quit. And like you said, you talk to people nowadays, they say, you know what? I sent out direct mail or I made, you know, 200 phone calls. I didn't get a deal. This don't work. I'm stopping. So let me ask you this. You was putting this money into, so direct mail, that was your, your marketing strategy at the time. Oh, Excellent question. So at that point, I didn't do, well, I did some very minor direct mail. The first deal that I got, it was from, uh, we call it PPL, but it's like, a, essentially it's a PPC lead. Okay. And that's where, that's how I was leveraging my time. Cause you got to remember I'm working full time, right. I'm in school full time. So I don't have a lot of time to be like answering calls randomly Fall, throughout yep. the day. So the PPC was like, oh, I got some money. Let me spend some money on marketing. I get the highest motivated type leads coming in. And uh, like I said, we still use them to the day. We still get our best ROI from them. But, uh, you know, we get the lead coming in and, uh, you know, it's, it's not a whole lot of leads. I can I can handle it and I call them, you know, and it, it just worked out for me at that time. Okay. Looking, so, looking back, I probably should have did it right now. Okay. So for those guys, because one of the questions that you always have is, you know what, I'm working full time. I don't have a lot of time to invest in this. Philip went through that same situation, but what he did was he used... PPC leads. So he did online marketing and then he got the highest converting leads to come into his funnel. Were, were those sellers calling you directly on your cell phone or were they going into some kind of CRM? How was that? How was that set up, Philip? We, I mean, I had a CRM. It was more of a, a database, but no, the, the, the lead would come in via email. I would okay. call them. I had like a Google voice number and uh, that's what, how I would contact them. And then I would manually go and put them into the CRM slash storage database is, uh, is what I would do there. Yeah. Okay. So you was doing this for, for 18 months, not closing a deal. So you had said something very key. You had said you was putting deals under contract, but you wasn't closing them. What, what was happening? So at the time, um, like my, my, my main dispositions, which is funny, man. I didn't even know what the roles were at the time. I think about it. But my main <laughs> exit strategy for these deals, way I was taught, mentor was like, man, you don't have to build a buyer's list. Focus on what's, you know, your fastest. He always said, focus on your fastest avenue to money. Whatever that next action is, that's gonna get you to the money. That's how you prioritize. And he was like, man, you don't need the buyer's list. If you got a good deal, buyers gonna come to you. 
You, yep. in, in Michigan, you get the deal, you put it on the market the right way, right? You're not just, you know, and I was doing it incorrectly or inconsistently at times, but uh, you get the property under contract, you put it, uh, you know, put it on the market, you get offers, that's your best buyer's list, which is true. Um, why weren't we closing some deals? Uh, probably some inexperience on company, right? So I had some deals okay. that didn't get much traction. Uh, pissing the sellers off, so not having like effective communication, explaining to them the process. To give you the mindset, at this time, I still thought wholesale was a naughty word. You know what I mean? So yep, yep. like I thought you weren't you weren't a real investor because I knew about all I knew about subject too. I knew about how to do the seller finance and all these different strategies, etc. And in my mind, it was a negative persona. Like, oh, you wholesale properties, you only wholesale because you don't have money. Yep, you only wholesale yep. because you don't know how to blah blah blah. So I was like, that's my mindset. So I acted that way when I talked to sellers. You know, I would you know, let them know like, yeah, we're investing, we do some of this, we do some of that. And I would try to kind of keep it under snuff, uh, under the, under my, my hat as far as wholesaling for the market and things like that. As opposed to just, you know, legit being able to explain, hey, here's our process, here's how it works. You know what I mean? Being yep. upfront about how we operate. So that pissed some people off so that, you know, lost some deals because of that. And then uh, actually the first deal I was supposed to close, it wasn't going to make a whole bunch, maybe like seven grand, but uh uh, the realtor actually, uh, I don't know, they sued me or, oh, they stole the deal. They tried to steal the deal is what they did. Wow. And they caused a whole bunch of issues. Yeah, yeah, the first one. And then at this point, I'm like, like damn. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, but she she definitely uh, tried to steal the deal. And I remember she called me at one point, like, oh, I need you to stop calling my client the seller, right? It's her client now. Oh, Even wow. I made, yeah, yeah, you know, they was, they was doing a whole bunch of stuff and, we had a memorandum of agreement that deal ended up not, never closing as far as my knowledge, unless they got around it somehow. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, the point is, yeah, we had, it was a, it was a host of different reasons. It wasn't that many contracts to begin with. And then the ones we were getting was, you know, kind of fumbling and, uh, and then, you know, just learning, right. You learn about company. So you talk about how to know what action to take, how to get into the game, et cetera. It's, you know, you start taking action. You can learn all you want from a book, but you're going to learn through experience a lot faster. Uh, I mean, you can learn from someone else's experience, which is the, the best way. That's, yep. uh, that's mentorship. But then you still got to get your own experience. You got to go out and get some, you know? Because nothing in the books tell you about, you know, what happens if a realtor try and steal your deal. Nothing is yeah, talked yeah. about that, you know? So uh, some key things that I, I just want to kind of go over is because I want to make sure the process is clarified. So you were getting these properties under contract. They were coming in through your PPC. And then you were getting them under contract and then you was having a, a realtor to list them on an MLS for you? So excellent question. So just to, so the, uh, yes is the answer, but we were using flat fee listing agents. So okay, I still gotcha. use them to this day. So we didn't have an uh, agent represent us. It was, we pay him a hundred bucks, $150 and he listed for us. I took all the calls. He didn't do anything. He just basically got paid to put it on the MLS. To just to put it on the MLS. Okay. All right. That's yep. different. Haven't heard that strategy. See, we all learned something new. I've been doing this for over eight years and that was my first time um, hearing that. It's, it's almost like hoteling, but without taking the property down, you still putting it on the MLS. Okay. 100%. And then you and said, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say to do that, just so people don't get confused. You can't like we have number one, that was in our contract. So we allow us to do it. And then even depending on your region and all that stuff, um, you know, some of the MLSs uh, don't allow it, but mm -hmm. they allow it in Michigan where we just have to put a, uh, uh, what is it? We have to put a, uh, like a disclaimer. I, 
Yeah, disclaimer to say this is, you know, we got uh, equitable interest in the property. And, okay. uh, you know, that's what we're actually, so we're not marketing the house, right? We're marketing our equitable interest in the house based on this agreement. Uh, so I just wanted to clarify that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, so like you said, the realtor stole the deal. You did put in a memorandum on the property. Kind of tell us what that, what a memorandum is for those who don't know. Oh, excellent question. So basically it's to protect, so my, my, my mentor, he wouldn't work with me on a deal. He wouldn't JV me on a deal unless I had this memorandum in place. And basically what it is, is you got the contract. So that gives you the interest in the property. You go file a memorandum of agreement or a claim of interest that says, hey, I, or this entity have, has a interest in this property based on this purchase agreement. And you basically, you file that. So what happens is that's a cloud or a lien, if you will, on title. So if that seller gets, you know, it's a lot of, you know, dirty uh, tricksters out here or yep. so, not even just dirty tricksters. You may call and negotiate a good deal. They say, I want 20 grand for it. And somebody else call the next day, I'll give you 30. All right. Yep. All of a sudden, they don't really want to work with you. You know what I mean? So you tempted people with money. Well, the point is, if they try to go sell that property the right way, like via warranty deed, then that's going to show up. Say, oh, no, we can't close because this other person has an interest in the property. And that, that still have like, I still get calls to this day. You know, people asking, you know, what's going on with this deal? And uh, depending on the situation, we either like, yep, send them a payoff or we, uh, we release it if it was just something like uh, we didn't close on it, it was our fault. So, uh, Absolutely. But that's what, uh, that's what the memo is, yep. So guys, if you want to know more information about the, about the memorandum or if you need a copy of a memorandum, just look in the show notes. I'll make sure I have one down there for you guys because we use them. Also, um, I just missed out on a deal where we had a memorandum and it was, it was my fault. Um, we had a memorandum on a property and it was like three years ago and we received some paperwork from that seller's attorney and I was just slow on opening up that mail, looking at that paperwork. And by the time I looked at it, the deadline passed. So the courts was able to release that memorandum. So I lost, I think it was like $14,000 on that deal. So lesson learned for me, like I said, guys, it's always lessons out here that you learn, you know, when you're out here in the business doing deals. So you got Philip, you got this first deal, you made the 45 to $50,000 off of that deal. Um, what was next after that, man? Because you said now you got the proof of concept, your mind is open. You're like, Hey, this, this stuff do work. Mm -hmm. So what was next? So again, the big thing was the mints because uh, my mentor actually tell me that he said a lot of people know that they, they don't even know it sometimes but he got a bad relationship with money that means you it's like you either subconsciously or somewhere in the ether the universe you block like you you like you may say yes i want money i want to make money etc but maybe because the way you were raised the different principles and things you were taught you get uh you actually do things that uh avoid block. money right yep. and exactly so when that i was doing that for that whole time and finally I don't know, overcome it or just the power of perseverance, um, you know, got the deal. So now it's like, okay, this works. My paradigm is open. And this is exactly what my mentor said. Once you close that first one, he's like, man, it's going to be, it's going to flood. It's going to open and you're going to start closing deals. And that's exactly what happened because I knew it worked, right? That's literally the only yep. thing that changed because yep. I, I knew that I can work. So that year, that first year, because I made 50, I think we did like a quarter million dollars that year. Okay. It was like, and that, and then we had some big deals. Like I still didn't do a lot of volume. Maybe it was like 15 deals or something like that, but they were big deals um, that, that we were closing. And uh, again, it was, 
really nothing changed. I was just being more consistent. Now I had some money to spend, so I'm investing back into the company. That was a big thing. And uh, to be able to do more. Uh, at so, this point, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say one of the paradigm shifts that you were saying with the men mental mindset about money is in the beginning, guys, when you first start and you're looking at, man, I'm spending this money on marketing. I'm spending all of this money on marketing. You know, once you close that first deal, then you're happy to spend that money on marketing because, you know, spending that money on marketing is going to bring in more deals. So that was one of the mindset shifts that I had to get over. It was like, man, I don't want to spend this $5,000. I don't want to spend this $3,000. This is all I have, you know, but after I started doing it more, I'm like, okay, how much is the marketing? Boom. Let's get it out there. Can we double it? Yeah, let's double it because we know that's how the deal flow is going to happen. So that's one of those relationships with money. I wanted to touch on real quick, uh, Philip, but go ahead, man. What were you saying? Uh, I mean, that's, that's an awesome thing, man. That's, that's the type of ATM machine you want to build, right? The one that you put in a dollar and you get out four or five. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, that's, I mean, no, I, I, I wasn't really saying much. I was just saying that, uh, you know, investing back into the company and, uh, or at least in my own efforts back into the marketing so that we can continue to percolate, right? So we can continue to get more deals and be able to say, all right, I got, you know, I'm playing with uh, house money at this point. And it was still a lot of learners at that point, still making some mistakes, still pissing some people off. I mean, even at this time, I still thought wholesaling was a naughty word. Um, you know what I mean? That's something that you yep. were proud of or whatever. So, And people people still have that that thought, you know, that wholesaling is, that's the dirty word or that's the dirty um, niche in real estate is wholesaling. But like you said, you have to be transparent with those sellers and let them know, hey, this is the process. Don't try and do something underhanded and sneaky and don't let them know, you know, what's going on. You just be transparent with them. That way, if they have any red flags or anything like that, they can come to you and talk to you about it without you trying to, well, you know, this is my contractor slash buyer slash this and that, you know, it's, it's, it's just doing stuff the right way. And Philip, it sounds like that's exactly what you're, what you're doing is doing it the right way. So, in Detroit, man, you're, you're right now you're closing a hundred deals a year. You know, most people will say, well, how are you doing that in one market? You know, you need to go to three or four different markets in order to do that. So how are you closing all of these transactions just in Metro Detroit? How is your, um, your team built out, you know, for someone that's looking to scale after they get through the onesie twosies and they say, all right, you know what? I have this money. I, I have this $250,000 that I made for me doing it by myself. I want to reinvest and really go mainstream. How did, um, how is that possible? Uh, so I'll tell you the story behind that. So, and this is leading from what we talked about, kind of taking you through the trail. So we closed the first deal, made a bunch of money. And then, uh, I don't know if it was a year later or so, I started to ask myself because another mentee, he closed the deal, made like 90 grand or 95,000. Like that was his net. Wow. And right, so that was a good deal. And I'm like, you know, I'm proud of him, happy for him. Like, man, that's, that's nice. And at that point, he quit it. Like he quit. Like I'm done with my job. I'm done with everything else. <laughs> I'm 100% real estate. You know, you know, you can't tell me anything. Yep. And uh, I'm happy for him. And that, that, you know, reflected back on myself. I was like, hmm. If I close a hundred thousand dollar deal, would I like quit my career and et cetera? 
And for me, the answer was no. It's like, I'm probably not going to quit because you got to remember at this time, I'm doing everything myself. That's the first part about it. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm still like learning a lot of inconsistencies. I already make a hundred grand. Yes, you made a lot of money, but all right, what about your insurance? What about, you know, all these different things? And then, oh, I got to go home and take a vacation. All the money stopped coming in. Yep. Like it was just, you know, for me, it was like, man. So I started asking myself what that number is. Like, is it half a million? Like, is it a million? Like, I didn't know what that number looked like. And that's because I had this large gap. So this was kind of where I transitioned uh, from my first mentor. Like, everything he taught me, I took that with me. And like, he taught me how to be a good investor, right? So mm-hmm. that's me being a good investor. So I mean, I do a lot of different things, but it's always me, 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 me. I think the most he talked about was getting an assistant to do a few different things. Well, I actually got on a podcast similar to this. Just starting to, I actually, what's smart me to do is like, I need to get around more like-minded people, people that are on this frequency. I'm sure there's things out there that I don't know. And I just started searching through podcasts, listening, and I found one. And that episode he was talking about, he's like, man, you got to build a business, man. People out here, ones and twos. This guy, he was flipping like a hundred houses a year. He's like, man, I don't even know what's going on in my business. Like to tell you the truth, you could drive my house and it could be mine. I wouldn't even know it, you know what I mean? I go see contractors. If I went to go see them, they wouldn't know who the hell I am. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. So, and he was like, man, so I was like, I'm, he's like, maybe I spend an hour, two hours a week. I'm like, damn, man, what is this guy? Like, <laughs> right, how's he doing this? I'm like, man, so you don't even know what's going on. Like, how, how are you doing? And he was like, you gotta build a business. It's not, you gotta have KPIs. You gotta know, like, you gotta treat this like a real business. This is not just you out here just doing things. Yep. And that was the, the, the key for me. It was, that's what that sparked. That's the spark of thought. I was like, oh, aha. I don't actually have to make a million dollars a year uh, to say, okay, now I'm ready to go full time or whatever. For me, it was about the consistency and the predictability. You know what I mean? So yep. when you build a team, okay, you got KPIs based on your marketing. So you know what those numbers look like, right? Uh, and so you know, three months down the line, if I spend for whatever, for every dollar I spend, I'm going to make three or four or five or whatever that is. And you know where those are, those deals are coming from. So you build that. And then you got, uh, you got VAs and you got employees and you got contractors and things that work for you that, that you pay, that they, okay, you're going to take over acquisitions. And actually at this point, I didn't even know that, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't even know the name of the roles. Didn't know what acquisitions was. Didn't know what dispo was. Didn't know what, like I was, when I logged, I was like, transaction coordinator. I was like, what's the name for this? Right. I, I literally had no <laughs> clue. You know what I mean? I, I didn't know. And, uh, and even though I had basically did all those roles, so now you start to, to delegate out, right? So now things are starting to percolate on your own, on their yep. own. And then now you're starting to, now it's to a point where, because what happens is when I'm doing everything myself, it's a battle cap based on my emotion or how I'm feeling. So I do some marketing, I get some calls or I make some calls and all right, I'm, I'm calling people. But then if I start feeling stressed out or if I feel like I'm doing too much, Guess what? I don't want to go spend another ten thousand or five thousand on marketing because that means more calls and that means more stuff I got to do. You know yep, what I mean? Yep. You know, so it starts to impact you that way. But once you look at it and say, "Oh, so you mean I can start doing more marketing?" and that's just me more deals coming in and had nothing to do with me because I got somebody else doing it. That's their responsibility. All right, turn up the marketing. Let's do. Yep. I don't care at this point. Let's do as much as we can. Let's find the next bottleneck. And that's how we grew. Just about to be a bottleneck. Acquisitions person first all right, somebody doing transactions to make sure I don't have to talk to these sellers uh, anymore. And then, you know, dispose somebody selling deals. So just continue to grow. And once okay. you have a team behind you, uh, I mean, all of the greats talk about, you talk about Andrew Carnegie, Henry Ford, Napoleon Hill. Um, I mean, JP Morgan Chase, 
um, like a lot of the people, and even now today, right? You got Elon, like everybody, nobody really just does it by themselves, right? Like, oh, I build this by myself. Cause even if you did, you probably down there kill yourself. And if you didn't kill yourself, you'd be miserable. You know what yep, I mean? You got it. So, so now you want to bring on these other people and you want them to grow with you. Like, yes, man, I want to pay you six figures a year, man. And I'm happy to pay you six figures a year. Yes, I want to pay you 50000 You know what I mean? So you start to, you want to bring other people up with you and have this culture, have this family, extended family, people that work with you and everybody's playing their role. You do, all you got to do is do, do your position and we'll do ours over here and the team works well. So how did you, how did you jump out there to start finding that, those team members? And what was that, what was that first position that you hired for? Uh, definitely was a VA because the first thing you want to do is hire. So the, the the mindset or the rule of thumb is you want to hire all the non-income producing activities, right? Because that actually makes you not want to do the income producing yep. activities. So something as simple as, uh, let's say marketing. Okay, I know today I need to, let's say it's direct mail. A lot of people do direct mail. All right, let's say I need to send out some direct mail, right? And, but to do that, I got to buy the list. I got to manage the list. And then I got to, you know, format it right. And then I got to send it out. And then I got to take the call, you know, different calls, mm -hmm. different things, people that's just calling me to say, screw you, don't call me no more, you know, stuff like that. When that, all those different things come in, especially when you're starting out doing yourself, all those things come into you and it, it deters you from doing what? Like, all right, man, I got to, you know, the, I, I know I need to do more marketing to get more deals coming in, but I don't want to do, I'm not going to do it because I don't feel like doing the Excel spreadsheets. Right. I don't feel like doing all the other stuff. Right. But once you have someone that's doing these non-income producing activities, admin roles or mundane things, all of a sudden you get to focus on your quote unquote su superpower, right? So the first hire for me uh, was a virtual assistant to, to be able to do those things. Um, and even uh, virtual assistant slash, uh, slash lead manager. So to, to talk to the people before, just I only want to talk to the people who are interested in selling the property and it's okay. like it could be potential. So that was the first thing I hired and that took a ton off my plate. So and did you find this virtual, did you find this virtual assistant like through freelancer or Upwork or something like that? So I, I think that comes down to like your personality. And if we're talking to people that are starting newer at this point, uh, I, I actually, uh, funny enough, I wouldn't recommend like using Upwork or something like that. He, or they got uh, another online, um, philippine.ph or online job.ph. Yeah. So here's the reason why. It's not that those are bad. Those are excellent sources to find virtual assistants, some with experience, some not experienced, people who are willing to work for you. So that's it's not a problem. The problem is you have to now manage them. If you hire somebody from online.ph, onlinejobs.ph, now you are you are responsible for them. You're responsible for training them. You're responsible for making sure that they work on time. You're responsible for making sure they're not you know, BSing on the job. You, you're responsible to obviously make sure they get paid. Like you're responsible for all of it, all of it, yep. right? You got to do the 1099s and stuff. So because that because your responsibility, guess what? You just got yourself another job. Another HR job. Manager, yep. You know what I mean? You, you're the HR manager or bookkeeper, you know what I'm saying? So, so now you just gave yourself more work. Uh, it's, but the advantage to that, so it's pros and cons to everything. The advantage to that is that it's it's cheaper. So you can find somebody paying 350 $450 or whatever. Uh, me personally, what I did, there's a lot of different real estate companies out there uh, that they train virtualists. That's all they do is find, hire, uh, filter uh, uh, virtual assistants specifically for real estate and different roles, transaction coordinator, admin, data, you know, uh, all mm -hmm. these different things. And they're already trained, number one, right? You got somebody else that's managing, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. 
all you have to do is cut the check when it's time to cut it and you know all these other things that go into it um you know you don't necessarily have to work you don't have to deal so, with it exactly so i would I, I actually recommend when people ask me i recommend doing it that way first and um that way you could just focus on having them do and you still have to and even at, at that point you still have to manage them right you're not going to say hey go to work cold call go to yeah. work get the, you know, it, it don't work like that you still gonna have to manage it and let them know what works specifically for your business but a lot of the minutia uh is going to be cut out if you go that way and what company do you know the company by name or that way we can share it in the show notes a little bit later or we yeah, can get it off we can get it yeah. off uh offline or what's go ahead what is it so I've used several. The first one was uh, Revas. So that's R-E-V-A-S dot com. So Real Estate Virtual Assistant Services. Uh, they've been they've done well for us. Uh, and again, they manage the VAs. They got all types of positions. Uh, the other one is, um, you know, I actually remember the, the name is SVP. Um, I can send you the name. Uh, but okay. It's like some it's something virtual professionals, and they they do they do uh, really well as as well. Um, I know people are going to ask me, oh, which one you like more? We use them both. They both, uh, they both do well. Okay. We'll make sure we have this information in the show notes for you guys. That way you can, you can take action and get the resources that you need in order to really get out here and, and get started. So you went from the onesie twosies to now hiring out your team, getting virtual assistants to do cold calling and things like that for you. Um, what, what, what was next, Phil? Because you went from the one coach that was all about I, 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 and then you went to another mentor, I'm assuming, that more was on building the business. How did you start that framework of building the business? I know you you hired the virtual assistants, but what were some of those metrics that you was making sure that you monitor to see if your business was going in the right direction? Okay, excellent question. So the first thing, so my second mentor, quote unquote, was really more of a mastermind. So I was surrounded by a lot of people who were crushing it, right? So I'm no longer uh, the big person in the room. I'm the little guy in the room. People okay. doing, you know, $6 million a year, wholesaling and flipping, and, you know, hundred, you know, doing 100 transactions was, was easy. A couple of guys were actually in the exact same market that I'm in. Um, they, they're doing 100 plus, you know, deals and they're making a lot of money. So I was like, no longer. So, so wait, 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 stop, stop for a second. <laughs> stop. So you were in a mastermind. Okay. I'm yeah. sure this mastermind costed thousands of dollars. If you're in proximity of people that's doing $6 million a year. And then not only that, some of the same people in your market is in this mastermind. What about you know, all of the people that say, you know, it's the competition, the competition. You got somebody in your exact same market that's doing 100 deals a year and you're trying to build your way up to that. Wouldn't that person not want to share that information with you? And wouldn't you see that person as a competitor? So excellent question. So first off, what was the mindset before I actually joined and paid the money? Because I actually heard about them before I joined. I was like, man, these guys are in Detroit. You know, at this point, I'm thinking like this is gonna be my secret weapon type of thing. All these yep. guys are already in the metro market, they do deals. You know, and my thought process behind it to be straight, and we're actually really good friends now. Um, but uh, my mindset behind it was like, well, hell, all right, if I don't do it, this is me making a decision to actually join. If I don't do it, they still gonna be doing 100 plus deals a year, and I'm just not gonna, you know, what I mean? I'm still gonna be yep. screwed up, right? And yep. if I do join it, if I if I do join, at least I'm putting myself in that same energy, having having access to the same knowledge. And to answer your question, 
the, what I've noticed, the higher you go, the more people want to get, right? Because like these guys was not, they, they were not to a point like, oh man, you and Metro Detroit, oh man, well, all right, let me, uh, you know, I don't want to talk to you about X, Y, Z. These guys are the most giving guys ever. And he actually even talked about it when we, we, we still talk about it. He's like, man, I'm coached. You know, like he would do like do a talk. They were one of the bigger guys in the group or doing more volume. And they would do a talk to like the rest of the group. And people, he was talking about the value of having the giving mentality and things like that. He was like, look, look, man, this guy here, like we're literally in the exact same market, no difference at all. And I'm still giving you guys the nuggets. I'm pulling back the curtains on how my business runs and, and et cetera. So that's the type of energy we're already around. And uh, it's like, so here's my, what I say to people, it's like, oh man, competition, competition, competition. And uh, I forget where I heard this from, but I, I want to say it was in Raleigh or even Charlotte, but I'm using random numbers here because I don't remember the numbers, but it was, it was substantial. They said, okay, it was like 12,000 uh, transactions would happen in that market, cash. And I think they might've all been like some motivation, foreclosure, pre-foreclosure or something. So this guy went and did the numbers on it. It was like a huge number. Let's call it 12,000, right? 12,000 deals. All right. You don't need to close 12,000 deals in a market, you know, to, to be successful. Or right. you do 50, you're doing well. You do 100, you're doing well. You do 500, you're doing awesome, right? So he's like, you put that in perspective. He was saying, like, challenge, look at your market. I forget how you say to do it, but look at your market. Look at the cash transactions that are happening, happening at a discount and count that up. Okay. Can you carve out your, sli your, your slice of that, right? Like, you, you know what I mean? So don't, it's not competition. It's more, it's more the abundance mindset. And, and me and those guys, like I said, we're still buddies today. We still talk uh, from time to time. And uh, we share like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what's working. This is what's, you know, exactly. We, we, we collaborate. It's not, it's not competition. There's no competition. Yep. It's 100% it's, it's collaboration. And if you go into something with that, I want to take, give me, give me, give me, and I don't want to share mindset, not only would that impact you in your life in general, but you're going to find a lot of people only want to be around you because, I mean, hell, we all in the United States. Yeah. Yep. I mean, <laughs> I know a guy, he, he's in all 50 markets. He's in all 50 markets crushing it. Wow. I mean, so that's, you know what I mean? So it's like the, the comp, uh, competition is a, is a figment of your as a figment of your imagination. And uh, really, I think it's a figment of your own fear, right? Yeah. Like you, you worried about uh, that and, and uh, lack of abundance. So but I bring yeah, that up because because I'm I'm sure you're talking about Mike Simmons, correct? Yeah, Mike and Mike. Those are my okay. Guys. Yep. So <laughs> so Mike was on our podcast. I think it was show. Um, oh, I think it was show 32. I can't remember off the top of my uh -huh. head, but he definitely talked about that uh, that abundance mindset, and that's one of the things that that guys you have to have. And Philip just said something very key. He said. The higher you go up, the more people want to give. So as long as you stay at the bottom, you know, you're on the bottom, you're scavenging, you know, things like that. But when you move higher up the totem pole, people start to network and they start to tell you, well, this is something that you need to do, you know, to tweak your business, to make it better. You know, you may need to do this over here and it's cross collateralization. So you may be able to provide something to them and they'll be able to provide something to you and both of your businesses start to rise versus one going up and the other one going down so man that was that was really good really good information right there uh philip man good stuff good stuff so um you're doing all of these deals in michigan 
how did you end up transitioning over to North Carolina? Uh, that's an excellent question. So um, first and foremost, you can still hear me okay, right? Yeah, yep. Okay, awesome, awesome. So first and foremost, uh, after we, we did so many transactions, you look at uh, the bottom line and we did well, but we looked at when you dig deeper, we were looking at the, 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 the average size of each deal, right? And a lot of people talk about, oh, I'm going to do 100 transactions, we'll do 500, I want to do 300, which is awesome, right? That's part of it. That's part of the business. But I would much rather uh, close one deal a year and make two million bucks. Right? So stop, stop bucks. right there. I got, I got to give you an applause for that, you know, because that's one of the things that I've been telling people for the longest. It's not, you know, I'm doing 100 deals a year and each deal is I'm only making $1,000 or 1500 I'd rather mm -hmm. go smaller on a number of deals, but more on a net revenue. So I'd rather do 10 deals a year and, and the average deal size of each deal is $50,000, dollars versus mm -hmm. going through the headache of doing all of these transactions, you know, and still making the same amount of money or if not, you know, less money. So, man, I just yeah. wanted to give you applause on that because I, I talk that, I teach that and people just are so mm -hmm. inflated with the number of, deals that they're doing versus the net, you know, profit that they're making on each deal. So sorry, man, I had to just jump in there and cut in on that. So no worries, you, man. <laughs> so what was your average <laughs> net um, amount on the deals in Detroit? Michigan, it was like, uh, eight, it was like right around 8,500, 8, maybe 9,000. So it was, it was okay. But then you look at other markets, people are averaging 20 grand, 25. And I'm like, man, if we do going to the market and we do the same amount of deals because you're taxing the team at that point, right? People do yep. more work to get the same result. So that was a big part of it going into market. And, and on top of the fact that um, like Charlotte and Raleigh, they were uh, hotter markets. So it was easier to sell the deals like Metro Detroit, man, Detroit specifically, it's a lot of block by block. It's yep. a lot of, uh, you know, you actually got to know Detroit to come in and you got to know your spots, et cetera. Whereas other people, other markets, and you're getting these cookie cutter deals where it's like, oh, here's the comps, comps super easy, so super easy because yep. the data is there. Whereas Michigan or Detroit specifically was more, you know, you kind of have to kind of finagle, you kind of got kind of know what you're doing more, right. which is which is fine. But uh, but that, uh, that that was that's a big part of it. And yeah, man, going back to what you were saying as far as like one deal, I mean, it's probably an ego thing, um, or not one deal, but doing more deals versus less. It's, it's definitely an ego thing. People like to say, oh, I'm doing a bunch of deals and, and things like that. Like you said, in a day, all that matters is net. I was actually at a, um, a workshop and um, one guy, I won't say his name, but one guy, he was doing, he doing like a half a million a month, like maybe 450,000 a month in revenue, right? Wow. And which is like, he crushing it. And yeah, I'm sure if I say his name, most people, yeah, most people would, would know him. But, uh, but yeah, he's, so he's crushing it revenue-wise. I don't know how many transactions that add up to, but his net profits, he, he, and he's, he's an open book. He's not like, you know, a liar or, you know, trying to put on the show. He's like, no, man, my, you know, my, my, uh, our, our nets is like, I mean, I, I want to say it was like, maybe they were netting like a hundred thousand, maybe 150 a month, which is awesome, right? Wow, but yeah. You putting out 450,000 to make a hundred grand, is there a more efficient way? Yes, yeah, right. so, he knows it, right? He he knows that. Whereas, and he, and I forgot what he was spending per month. Damn, I wish I, I could remember how much he was spending each month to be able to make that. Whereas another party in that same workshop spending like twenty, 
25 grand a month on, on like everything. And like definitely was netting substantially more without doing that much volume. Substantially more net without doing, you know, they, they don't have to do that half a Exactly. Or even having a half a million in, in revenue, but the net was there, right? And the consistency. So that's really what it comes down to. As you scale more, you'll, you'll see that, you know, at the end of the day, it's about what you can, uh, what you take it home. Okay. So why did you pick, why did you pick Raleigh and Charlotte versus, I mean, you're in Detroit. Why didn't you pick, I don't know, let's just say St. Louis or Kansas city, something like that. So what, what drove you to North Carolina versus another market? Man, we must be on the same frequency. Actually, the, the, uh, uh, the one of the people I was mentioning earlier, she's actually in the Kansas City market. Uh, okay. St. Louis, <laughs> uh, Louis, we wouldn't have chosen just because it's uh, similar to Detroit. Similar to Detroit. Yep. But how, how did we choose? So actually, again, coming from surrounding yourself with the right people. You'll notice when you surround yourself with the right people, all of a sudden you, you got bigger and better problems. You have bigger and better discussions. You get bigger and better solutions, right? Because you're always talking about something that actually matters. And just being surrounded, this is coming from another mastermind that I'm in, where um, I'm not suggesting that anyone go out and do this, but basically you can have a, a data science scientist study the entire United States zip code by zip code to see what the uh, what what the uh, cash transactions look like, what's the median price per market, and basically kind of see what the growth. And you can look back the past year or two years, and that can kind of guide you. Okay, this market is taking off, and what have you. And stemming from one of those market, uh, one of those masterminds, it basically laid out several markets that were like on fire. Uh, Charlotte okay. is one, Raleigh is another. I mean, Tampa, a lot of people know about Tampa, Houston is another. Uh, so it's a lot of different markets. And it's, and it's 280 or 262, I forget, one of the two. That's a lot okay. of metropolitan markets in the United States. And uh, basically we paid for that data and it was a data-driven decision to say, all right, well, we got all these different markets, which one do you wanna go into? They're all basically the same. All right, I like Charlotte. I like Raleigh. Let's uh, let's do that. Let's do okay. That. So yeah. let's let's fill. Let's let's take a quick break here. A brief word from our sponsors, and when we come back, we're going to talk about you know these virtual markets and how you built out your team in these virtual markets. So we'll be right back. We'll hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll come back and we'll meet with Phil again. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers. With 100% coverage across the U.S., PropStream provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to crowd.propstreampro.com slash we love it. All right, we are back. We have Phil Blake from Detroit who's doing multiple deals, uh, well, doing tons of deals in multiple markets, i.e. Detroit, Raleigh, North Carolina, um, Charlotte, North Carolina, 
And I'm assuming that he's going to be expanding into other markets as well. So you guys better look out for Phil. He's he's quiet and low key, but he's doing things, guys. So you better better beware. So um, Phil, you were, we were talking about your virtual markets. How did you find and build your team in those virtual markets? Uh, excellent question. So that really comes from the model. So so we we are virtual. So earlier when I was doing a lot of things myself, I was not virtual, right? We were, I was going to properties or sending people to properties and things. So right now we're 100% virtual, right? Only time we'll go out in person to get a contract signed is if we really have to. But um, but that is the one thing that, that made things a lot simpler. So how did, so the question is, how do you, how do we build out that team? Well, first and foremost, it makes hiring so much easier. When you don't have to have people in a certain office to work for you, um, now you can, you, you can utilize talents from all over the United States. So that was a big part of it. Uh, another big part of it, um, or to answer your question as far as how do we build out in Charlotte and Raleigh, very simple. You go to different Facebook groups, uh, network, again, from being in these masterminds, I actually know quite a few people in those markets. So you just, uh, just a quick phone call. Hey, man, what are you doing for, for this? Do you got somebody to go to this property for me? Take pictures gotcha. or whatever. So uh, it gets to a point where it's really easy because your network is so large. Um, you, you know, you just make a few phone calls and, and, and uh, your problem solved. Um, which I know that, you know, a lot of people listening, that may not be the answer you want to hear. Like, oh man, tell me exactly. If you want tactical, go on, if you got a deal, go on Facebook and basically in one of the Facebook groups in that market, you can go in and say, hey, look, I, I got this deal. Like, matter of fact, you don't even have to do that. Just post on Facebook. Hey, yep. anybody local to, to Raleigh or whatever this market is, um, you know, want to make a quick 100 bucks or do that on Craigslist. And you find people that will do that all day. Uh, Favors.com is another one. You can go there. People just do favors for whatever. Okay. Um, and like you said, it's, uh, it's, it's utilizing the network, you know, and that's what I tell people is, and, and I was one of those people. I'm going to be completely transparent, Philip. I was one of those people like, I need to know you because I don't just get down with everybody like that. You know, it's, right, right, it was right. just one of those things like, man, I need to know you because you might try and go behind my back, so on and so forth. But once I started changing my mindset and being around higher level players and understanding that, you know, there is a level of trust when you're working and you're, and as you go up the ladder, you know, so guys, don't be so fearful of, this person's still in my deal, so on and so forth. If you follow the blueprint and you have your contract, you have your memorandum in place, things like that, you really don't have to be so concerned about it. Um, one thing I want to say on that point, go ahead. one thing on, on, that, on that same point, and I'm not saying this is you know, best practice or probably far from it, but we, when you build certain relationships, like it's, it's more so about the relationship continuing versus uh, you know one deal, making some money. We've actually had deals just recently where we sent a guy that we had uh, co-wholesaled on the deal uh, at one point and uh, it, it worked out for us. But anyway, we had a relationship with him and not a very strong relationship, but at least a strong enough professional relationship where it was a property that we wanted to get under contract and the seller was just like, no way, I ain't signing anything over the phone, uh, blah, 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 would you come see me and you know, talk to me, et cetera, right? And he wouldn't sign the contract. So, and we actually had the deal sold before we locked it up. But anyway, that same relationship, we actually had him go to the property. We didn't even have a contract in place, but it was more so, hey, go to the property. Here's the situation, man. We trying to lock it up for this amount. You got to buy it this amount. We'll just make it happen. You know, yeah. things work, went, went smoothly. So um, 
and, and, and even uh, my acquisitions got talking to him about it. it. Again, it's about the relationship. Like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to, this is what you guys got it at. This guy's what you guys selling it for. That's how we gonna operate. You know what yep. I mean? And uh, you gotta be careful with that. I'm not saying that's the best practice, but I'll just do that left and right. But, uh, cause there's people that will like yep. steal your deal. Yep. Yes, it's people that'll do that. It is people out there that'll steal your deal. But you know what, when you're in the right circle of influence, like you said, it's the relationship is more important than closing this one transaction because you know, you think about it, you close this one transaction, yeah, maybe fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, let's just say fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. But at the end of the day, you may burn that bridge. You may make that $20,000. But if you're dealing with a high-level player that's closing 100 transactions a year, man, you'll make that $20,000 four or five times over if you just stick and keep that relationship you know, together. I'll give you a, a quick example. I was doing a deal. The um, guy was based out of Jersey. He was out of Jersey City. And he was doing some deals here in Chicago and got the buyer in place, everything like that. We got the deal closed and he paid us directly from his entity mm -hmm. because the title company was slow in doing a transaction. Yeah. And, and he was like, man, look, you guys performed and did what I need you to do. I'm just going to go ahead and pay you and I'll let, yeah. the, let the title company know, you know, just to cancel the proceeds to us. Well, lo and behold, three weeks later, we still get a check from the title company. The title company. So we could have double dipped, took his money, plus took the money from the title company. Well, naturally the relationship was more important. I picked up the phone and I gave him a call and I said, hey, look, you already paid me. The title company sent, sent us a check on this. I wrote void on it, tore it up. Here's the picture, texted it to him. And now we, you know, that, that builds that stronger relationship, you know? So 100%. yeah, when you have that mindset of relationship, you know, over, you know, the economics, you're going to always make that money, you know? So 100%. that's great. That's great. So Philip, we talked about, you know, doing deals in your home market. We talked about virtual deals um, real briefly. Let's touch on what you're pivoting and transitioning to, which is the commercial uh, market. Why did that come about and how are you doing this? All right. So earlier I mentioned that, uh, you know, I'd much rather do one deal and make a few million bucks, right? Because it's yep. less work, right? So naturally when you go into the commercial work, uh, commercial workspace, when you go into commercial markets and, you know, go into the commercial, um, you start to focus more so on commercial real estate, the deals are bigger, right? You know, you got minimums of 50 grand on a deal. It's minimum, right? That you that you even want to look at if you wholesale it or what have you. Yep. And then you got the wealth building portion, which is it's a combination of those things. Uh, definitely want to acquire units to be able to generate like massive wealth, and then be able to substantiate uh, or have substantially substantially more uh, cash flow coming in from if we wholesale an apartment unit or some form of commercial real estate. Uh, the deals are are bigger, um, and also forces growth. So why exactly are we doing it? So we're doing okay on the uh, single family side. And uh, we some things we definitely need to tight, tighten up. We were talking about it earlier as far as um, how we're going to make this work. Well, yep. we've built the foundation, right? We got a lot of systems in place. We got a lot of foundational things in place. And we really need to clean up. So we were doing uh, pretty well. And we, like, again, nothing, nothing's perfect, right? We still got, I mean, at one point, uh, like, I, I wasn't even 100% sure what our KPIs uh, were, what, what they should have been. And um, 
so we, we were but we were still making progress right so it was imperfect progress but and now it's at the point where us taking that additional step is going to number one allow us to generate uh significantly more wealth right not necessarily just making a lot of money because a lot of people don't think people don't talk about wholesale you pay a lot of money in taxes yeah yep. <laughs> like i mean there's there's ways around it like i mean it's you know talk to your cpa and, and, or whatever but generally speaking you got a cash heavy business is uh that's and you start making a lot of money in that yeah uh irs uncle sam that yep. tax man come knocking um, at your door <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so again it's just it's just again it's inefficient right same reason it's inefficient to close 500 deals and make 10 million bucks versus closing 100 deals and get 10 million bucks yep. you know what i mean it's it's just it's the inefficiency. So why I'm gonna work so much harder or have my team work so much harder where I can we can generate wealth and not just for myself but for the team as well to the point we got checks coming in uh every month and it's and it is it's true wealth. So that's really the focus. Um that's the reason why we're transitioning. I would say transition, we're still gonna wholesale, that's still a thing, but that's why we're making that focus on the commercial uh, real estate. Okay, all right, perfect, perfect. Um so now, was there any fear transitioning from single family over to commercial? And what was that learning curve? How's that learning curve uh, making that transition? Awesome question. So number one, still learning. Uh, number two, uh, it, no fear for me because again, I've, I've you know, experienced, right? So it's it's proven at this point. I already know the, I know the formula. And this is a formula you can teach your kids, anybody else. But again, you want to know something, you have somebody that's already doing what you want to do. Whatever your goals are, you find somebody that's doing significantly more and you go pay them. So you talked about the mindset. That's 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 what they don't teach you in school. And I got my own opinions about that. But yep. it's uh you, you know they don't like you gotta lead. You gotta give. You can't come like people. People I know come to me asking me like, hey man, just tell me this. And sometimes I've actually made the mistake of trying to help them and they don't commit. So I've I've learned my lesson from that. But yeah, I don't really care if you know me. Like actually, my buddy, I grew up with him since we were uh, second uh, second or first grade. And uh, again, I'm making them pay me 15 grand for uh, for coaching that I really don't want to do. Like it's for a year, and I really don't want to do it because I know the time commitment, and I want to. But I, but I, I do want to see him grow, so that's why I was able to uh, to do that. But uh, you gotta you gotta the point I'm making is you gotta you gotta lead with uh, with what you can offer. You may not be able to offer much, but the last thing people want to do is have somebody come to them that is gonna waste their time. Yep. Right. That's gonna say you're gonna come ask me for this. I'm gonna give you the game or what I think is the game. And you're going to just not do it. You're not, not do anything with it. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why you have that agreement with your, with your buddy at 15 grand is not because you need to take the money from him right, or right. none. That's not it. But it's saying, Hey, I want to make sure you're seriously invested in this. And the only way you can make sure people are seriously invested is if they go in a pocket and they spend money on um, people spend money on the things that they are trying to accomplish. So if you if you want to learn, guys, if you want to learn and see if this is somebody that you want to be a part of or affiliated with, watch how they spend their money. If they spend their money, you know, on dumb stuff, you know, rims, sounds, you know, cars, they may have, you know, a car that has, it's worth $60,000, $70,000, but they still rent. And you know that their their money mentality is not where it needs to be. And if that's you, you need to start changing it. You know, start looking at ownership and start looking at what you're spending your time and your money in. So again, Phil, that $15,000 wasn't for you. It's for your buddy to say, hey, if you really want this education, then I need some buy-in to know that I'm not wasting my time with you. 100%. And I told him that. 
I was like, yeah. I, I don't want your money, really. I just told him, I was like, I know. I, I told him, I mean, I, I told him straight. I was like, look, man, I don't want you to be bullshit, man. I was like, because if, if, if you want me to tell you, I'm going to be invested in you. And I actually want you to be successful. So if you, if that's what you want to do, you put put up this money and, uh, you know, we show that, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. that's what I had to do. I'm just because you, just because I know you. All right. Just because you know my first name, right? So, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't mean anything. You still, you know, I don't want you to take advantage of me. And, uh, but I do want to be able to help you. So to answer your question though, no fear you know, going to commercial because I'm surrounded by the right people. And I know that that, that method works. So I, I, I did the same thing I did six, seven years ago. Found somebody that's crushing this guy doing like, like 4,000 units, um, you know, uh, 300 million in, in total, uh, I don't know if it's total equity, but that's how much the total commercial real estate. You go to somebody that know, right? You learn yep. from them. And then you, what happens, you go to them and you get around other people that may not be doing 300 million, but they're down 50 million, 10 million, five, yep. whatever. And you 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 learn from them, and uh, that makes so it's getting to a point. It's like what, what I'm scared, what I'm scared for. I'm learning from people that that's already proven it. That's I just it. gotta I just gotta implement. That's yep. all I gotta do. If I can Prox implement and get my things in order, like you want to say, yeah, go ahead. Yep. Pro <laughs> proximity is power, man. Proximity is power. If you want to be around, and that's that's one of the things that I try and get people to understand is, you know, you have to have a coach, you have to have a mentor, you know anybody that's working and producing at a high level, they had to have a coach. They had to have a mentor, you know, A-Rod, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, you can go down the list, you know, um, Nikola Tesla, everybody had a mentor that poured into them and then they took what they learned and then they started pouring into somebody else. If you stay in that frame of mind where I'm just going to try and get, 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 get without giving, you know, you're just going to have a closed fist and nothing is going to be able to flow through there. And you're going to stay exactly where you're at. And that's, that's what you could have did. You could have stayed with that same mentor paying that little bit of money saying, okay, this is fine. You know what? I'm making fifty, sixty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars a year doing this. But no, you saw the opportunity saying, you know what? I can do more. I can do bigger. I can do greater. So let me go out here and spend the money to find a person that's going to pour into me so I can do more, bigger and greater. hundred percent, man. And, and actually, uh, one, one thing I wanted to say is, so horses for courses, like you mentioned earlier, it, like it's, it's it's all about being in the in the it's all about the I guess the context right. You talked about oh somebody they got whatever this car or they they spending money on, on, on things that depreciate or that appear to appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, th there's there's a time when I say horses for courses that means basically it's a time for uh, it's a time and place for everything. And I'm not saying it's splurge, but a lot of the people yeah a lot of people like on IG that's a, that's a big thing. Oh this guy got the lamb, this guy got this etc. But you have to ask yourself, how are these people paying for it? Like, yeah. I, I know guys that's on there that that, that do a lot of, of uh, like, they, they do that. That's how they influence people, which I 100% agree with because people see that, oh, I like the shiny Andre, and boom, I'm going to help you. I'm going to I'm gonna dangle this, this this sweet or this candy in front of you, but I'm going to give you some broccoli with your, you know, with that as well. I'm going to give you what you need, what's actually good for you. And I, yeah. I agree with that approach because uh, people are attracted to the cars and the women and things like that. But you have to ask yourself, like a lot of the people that you see on there, some of them are like just putting on or whatever, but a lot of them, some that I know personally, the way that they're paying for it, that that's that's the key. You, a lot of people, you work in a job, you trading your life for money, and then you in turn spending that money 
on a car. So you're spending your life on a car and it's depreciating, say, et cetera. Yep. And, uh, and you may not even be getting the money like that. Where these other guys that you want to be like, like, he don't even work for it. Like, like okay, I got a, a like, a, one of the rules to wealth is uh, if you want to buy something like a liability, you got to find an asset to pay for it. Yep. Right. So I got something. Let me get this new land. It's probably cost a couple thousand a month. All right, sweet. Or twenty five hundred a month. Whatever it's going to be. All right, sweet. I got to go find an asset that's going to pay me actually three thousand a month. Yep. And that's really and man and I'm like man the way you finesse the game, like right now I don't want to go deep into it, but uh, it's it's ways that people are finessing like like where you can actually we're actually pays to have uh, the luxury items, the exotic items. You know, you got the watches, you got the cars. And even from a, like, there's a way that you can structure your life in such a way where you can have everything that you want and in the in appearances there, but you're not doing the financially, um, uh, uh, the financially irresponsible thing, right? It, it just, so you just live a life you want. Like, I mean, it's, it's just a lot, I man. It's a whole other conversation. And I talk yeah, a, yeah. a lot, I talk a lot about this to, you know, just people that come from the, the hood, whatever, because, I mean, recently I just got, a, I got an M5. And uh, so people see that, like, oh man, that's a nice car, blah, 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 what you doing? And I do that intentionally, right? Because I want them to ask and, uh, you know, to, to kind of spark them. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I, I want them to, to look closer into it, but I'm, I'm giving them a game. Like, look, man, this is like, you, okay, all right, the car is 150 grand. You think it's like, all right, you, you think the village just went and dropped 150,000 cash or blah, blah, blah. There's ways that, you know, I could do a whole separate talk on how you could finesse the game. You can get the cars you want. You don't have to spend the money you want. You can actually turn them into assets if you want to. Same thing with your house. Same thing with people like watches. That's a big thing. Uh, the jury. There's a lot of different things that you can finesse the game. And uh, people don't realize that. They just see somebody on IG driving a new lamp and they got whatever the bust down watch. So I just want to, I want to yep. be like them. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, well, go ahead. He doing, they doing it in a smart way, most likely. Right, you know what I mean? right. You know what right. I mean? Whereas you about to go spend, you know, you making 100000 a year trying to spend 200 on the car. So, so what we're going to do, Phil, is we're going to have you back. And, and because I love having this conversation, man, because so many people are misinformed and I want to make sure people get the right information at the right time so they can make it applicable uh -oh. to their lives. So I'm definitely going to have you back so we can talk about that. Cause like you said, that's a whole nother conversation. You know, people are looking at the glitz and glamor and not understanding how people are generating that wealth with the, with that glitz and glamor where, you know, the average person is out there driving a bus, you know, trying to make a hundred thousand dollars so they can go and buy, you know, a 740 or, or, you know, a S65, you know, AMG, where there's a way that you can do it the right way without, you know, spending your life in order to do it. So Phil, let's start to, to, to wrap this up. We're going to go into our, our, um, Hot seat questions, man. We're gonna put Philip Blake on the hot seat, man. Phil is on the hot seat. Phil, answer these questions for me, man. Um, starting over, what would you do differently? Um, I would start earlier. That's the first thing. Uh, I definitely like the mentorship. I would probably spend more on mentorship, and then I would take more massive action. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, school full time, working full time. So even though when I was taking massive action or taking action. I was still what you would call half-assing it because I couldn't put all the time into it, right? So yep. um, I, I would go, I would go all in much sooner. I would start much sooner, and I would pay for more mentorship, hundred percent. 
So this is on another note. You, you speak of mentorship, and if and let me know if you don't mind answering this. How much are you spending annually on mentorship, on coaching, so you can be a high level producer? Um, that's a good question. Probably somewhere between sixty and hundred a year. Okay, you guys hear that? That's sixty to hundred k a year in coaching, in education, in order for Phil to produce. You know these hundred units, hundred transactions a year. So. I'm sure that 60 or hundred grand, you're making that in a month, maybe in 20 days. So um, guys, you got to elevate your mindset, please elevate your mindset. Don't shut down. Don't say, well, this guy is spending all of this money on education. Don't shut down. He's successful. Learn from the, tr from the, from the trail that he's already blazed and, um, and get to where you need to go. Philip. What is one characteristic you believe every high producing investor should have? Perseverance. 100%. Perseverance. And you got to be a little bit crazy because people look go. at the odds. People look at the odds like, and I, I don't like it when people say it. Like I actually got some buddies that still try to tell me this, but you look at the 1% the, the, the or the 0.1% or the top of the 1%. Like, man, you know, the chances of you being a billionaire and blah, blah, blah. And they look at the probability. And, I, and I, my, my response to that was like, man, you, you got it all backwards. Like, okay, we, we saying 1% out of 99. Well, I'm going to tell you this, 85 to 90% of that 99%, they not even trying. So they not even in the game, right? Yep. And then probably another 5 to 8% of people, these are just random numbers, but probably the majority of that remaining 9%, whatever, they want to do it on their own or they're just going about it the incorrect way. You know what I mean? So they're not, they don't have to actually have the knowledge to be able to execute. So they may have an idea or they may have a dream or something. So you, the way I look at it, it's like, I don't, I don't actually think it's that difficult. I think, uh, again, there's certain principles uh, that you got to be able to read books, man. Like Ray Dalio has an awesome book called Principles. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of different things out that you need to value, right? Instead of valuing the new shoes and things that people promote, you know, value your library because that, that's going to take you far, man. They say all of the, the mansions and the million dollar houses or whatever, they all have uh, libraries. It's not because they're so rich that they have libraries. Maybe they're rich because they they have they 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 value the library in the first place. There you place. go. There they're you go. The egg type of thing. But, so my uh, next my, perseverance. Yep. My next question was going to be: Give me a good book recommendation. But you just gave one. Principles. Who was that by? Ray Dalio. Uh, he's a, a billionaire uh, hedge fund manager. He, okay. He, uh, what is it? Bridgewater. I think he manages Bridgewater. Bridgewater Capital. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah, you can, it's to a point now, I don't even think they are, they're even accepting any more money at this okay. point. But uh, he's, yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, he's been around for about 50 years and he's, he's given, again, the higher you go up, the more uh, people want to help. He's like, look, I'm 70 plus. He's like, man, my, I'm at the giving stage. I just want to sit, chill with my, with my grandkids and I want to give away the game to whoever else actually, you know, actually, you know, is worthy or, you know, values it. And, uh, Oh, no, that's awesome. All right, Phil, last, last question. In parting, what words of encouragement would you give a struggling investor? Ooh, struggling investor. So that's actually a good question. Uh, it depends. Again, I talked about perseverance. You got to understand, man, that things are written in such a way. Like, you got to understand this is going to be the part. Like, it, you want to look back on your life and like, damn, man, that's a good story. Like at this point, like at this point, I feel like, man, I could probably write a book and I probably will write a book, but um, 
you know, I feel like I could, like, you know, you want to have climaxes, right? You go to watch a movie. It's not just like, oh, everything was peaches and cream and yeah. sunshine every day and everything was just awesome. And that's the end of the movie. No, man, it was some, you had to, you know, you got, you're you your own hero, right? In your yep. story. So you started from where you started from. You had to struggle through this. You had to deal with this, et cetera. You had to overcome these obstacles. And uh, if you're struggling right now, that's just a part of it. I've already told you what you need to do. Um, now, I will add this. Like if, if you don't have it in your pocket, I mean, you got to have it like you got to be willing to do some things. So if you if, if you can't like, all right, I'm going to go spend money on marketing and do this that, and the other. You may not need to pay for mentorship. Uh, you talked about Mike, uh, Mike Simmons. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the story of only you talked about how uh, Mike Copper started working for him. Uh, but he basically said, look, I'll come work for you for free and uh, only pay me. So how much you making per month? Are you making one hundred thousand a month? Only pay me on the um, above one hundred thousand that I bring in per month. It was something similar. I may not be exactly right, yep. but he came in, he came in with leading with value. I see yeah. what you're doing. I want to learn. I want to work with you. And not a partner, a 50, 50 partner, hundred percent. You know what there I mean? You go. So you have to, you gotta, you gotta take that approach. And and if you, the, the way that the, the traditional, the way society teaches us traditional, traditionally, you wouldn't think to do that. I'm not going to go work for nobody for free. I mean, you got all types of stuff. I and mean, that's yeah. just one story. I got another mentor said he showed up at a guy's office 17 times. The secretary wouldn't let him see the guy. Oh, get away, kid, get away, kid, get away. And he kept going back every day for 17 days to the point where the lady got tired of seeing him. She was like, man, look, go hide behind there. When he come out, he, guys, the, the guy's going to go to the elevator. You got 30 seconds yep. went from the elevator down. And, that's, and that became his mentor. He's like, look, man, I'm, I'm, I work for you for free. I'll do whatever. So you got to have the right mindset. And the biggest way you can do that is uh, watching podcasts like this, reading books, man, and just following those people that you uh, who have what you desire. There you go. There you go, guys. So you hear the game directly from Philip, who's a high producing wholesaler and real estate investor in the Detroit market. And you know what? I'm not just going to say Detroit. I'm going to say nationwide. So guys, take what he taught you implement it, take all of the nuggets because he gave tons of them today and make them applicable in your life. That way you can get out there and take action. So Phil, imparting, man, how can we, we reach you? How can we find you? How can we get in touch with you? How can we follow your journey from where you are now to where you're transitioning to with, with the uh, commercial units? So awesome. So I'm uh, like, I don't do a, a lot of social media, but just recently I started to pay more attention to it because I, I realized I want to be able to influence more people. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's Philip underscore Blake underscore REI. I may actually change that soon. Uh, you can hit me up on Facebook, uh, Philip Blake, and uh, that should come up. But uh, reach out. Like I, I actually enjoy helping people. I mean, lit- most of the coaching that I do is within certain groups that have already kind of pre-filtered because I mean, I realize, I mean, I know you got probably an awesome audience, but I know a portion of the audience is, you know, I'm like, I'm gonna keep it 100, man. It's, it's probably the people that's just gonna listen and they're not gonna do anything. Not gonna do anything. And, and, and they, you know, they want handouts and things like that. And I'm not knocking them. That's fine. That's what you want to do. And uh, those are the people that I don't enjoy helping, right? But yep. uh, for the most part, if you somebody like, man, I'm willing, I'm willing to do whatever. Like I, I, I've given away game for free to people that I thought deserved it. I've charged people for it. It's not something that I do regularly because now if we're talking time commitments, but uh, more recently, it's been something I've been more attuned to, to doing as far as whatever you call it, mentorship and just being able to help, help and give back. Because uh, again, I, I know that there's, there's, there's more than enough. I mean, if you're in my same market, man, it's, it's more than enough here. 
And this is just real estate in general. And uh, honestly, I believe that uh, the, the more people you help, not only is that, it just spreads that positive energy, right? So I, I wouldn't be able to do that. So yeah, man, I mean, I can give you uh, one of my phone numbers here. If uh, people want to text me or whatever, just don't blow me up. <laughs> well, well, they'll they'll probably blow you up. What I'll do, I'll get your number, Philip. And instead of us talking about it, for those who really want to reach out to Philip, we'll have that information in the show notes. So do a little digging. I'll probably hide it so you can get in there and try and find it. Uh, that way, we could do a little pre-screening so you're not wasting this time. So, guys, take this take this information. Go out there take action. Don't be like the people that we talked about that listen to all of these podcasts, read books and everything like that, and don't do anything with it because the opportunity is definitely out there. So take this information. And what I want you to do is get out there and remember to always enjoy the journey. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you on next week. All right, guys, I was really, really happy uh, and excited to talk to Philip, man, because he, he, I, I recently met him not too long ago and just hearing his story and everything that he's doing, you know, in the Midwest was, was very, very inspirational. So remember, you got this content, do what he said, do, you know, take it, utilize it, use it and get out there, change that mindset and start taking action on some of the things that you want to do. Remember, you are empowered to do everything that your mind can fathom. So if you're thinking about an idea, stop thinking about A, B, C, and D. Start with A and just continue along that path. That's what I had to do. That's what so many people that are successful had to do. And you can be in that same group and start on that same path towards that trajectory of accomplishing everything that you set out to do. So this is Marcus Maloney, the Equity King. I'm signing off. Remember, Go on the show notes, get all of the information that we talked about. We talked about the memorandum of agreement. I have a link below where you can get a free memorandum of agreement. Um, Phil's contact information, reach out to that brother, man. He's, he's doing some, some amazing things. I try and keep in contact with him a ton because he's inspiration to me and he'll definitely be inspiration to you guys. So always remember, get out there and enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.